My name is Day. And I'm Monica. Here we are. The Roaring Twenties. Where the future is not so certain. But the status quo is no longer an option. As our structures dismantle and our foundations crumble, we have the opportunity to reorganize and regenerate. Join us in our exploration as we contemplate and reveal the truths and treasures within the here and now. What an exciting time to be alive. And this is Our Our World World in Flux. Take three. Take three. Made it 20 seconds into the first um, uh, version of this audio, and then 30 seconds into the second, both times realized that we had the mic on mute. I guess we're a little (laughs) rusty. A little rusty. It's been a little while. (laughs) It's been like 12 days since we last sat down. What have you been up to Um, over the past 12 days? Many things. Hmm been studying herbs and herbal, herbal remedies especially related to our garden project and today harvested dandelions yeah we separated the dandelions from the leaves from the root because every component of the plant provides different nutrients, different potentials for herbal creations that Mm. we can make. Yeah, even the time of year that you harvest creates differences. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Mm. Perhaps it can be correlated to what we generally need at that time of year, Mm. right? Because we're entering into spring right now, which traditionally is a time to cleanse the body Mm. to repair our relationship with our liver Mm. what is it about the winter months that affect the liver so much is it our diet switches to like yeah uh, we're eating more preserved foods we're eating higher fat content in our food and the minimized kind of movement perhaps and just the accumulation of Mm. kind of damp cold dense energy Mm. slows down our liver and can create some stagnation within the liver which is a normal thing so then you reach spring and it's time to start detoxing Mm. in a you know gentle safe way dandelion root yeah so i'm excited to see what we can create there we've made some good work in the garden i guess maybe we haven't really had that much progress in the last week because it's been snowy Mm, and cold actually yesterday morning i came out onto the patio and did a little yoga session in the morning and it was the first time i had been outside in a week Mm. (laughs) That's kind of sad. 
basically years at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was walking outside to go, you know, from one side of the duplex to the other, but mm. didn't didn't go on a walk during that time. It was pretty cold, and I was pretty yeah. focused in on a breathwork yeah. offering that mm. I've created, and time just slipped right by. Mm. Yeah, but I'm appreciating the return to spring today. Yeah. It feels like really inviting to spend mm. the whole day outside again, yeah. which I love. Similar to last time, it takes me like three or four days to really settle into it mm. to where I am like, okay, on the third or fourth day of nice weather, then it's like, okay, now I trust the weather enough to go to the park. Because <laughs> that was kind of like our, our week in that sort of first fake week of spring. Um, I see that, well, I can see, and perhaps you cannot see, that Logan is walking up to the uh, microphone area. And I was also noticing that he's set up some uh, sticks over there. Is that a barrier device? Sticks? To prevent yeah, dogs from walking in. Garden. They are like little scarecrows and they <laughs> scare the dogs away and the squirrels. No, I'm just marking where the seed lines are. And what did you plant over there? I just planted spinach. They're supposed to have a four to six week plant in the ground before frost date, so. Yeah, and we're looking at probably May 15th for the last frost, so at least the average. Mm. So we're about four weeks, a little mm. a little less, we'll see. Um, the, the, this last snow was pretty shocking. There was quite a bunch of it, yeah. And that's Colorado for you. The plants mm. start to bloom, the trees are blooming with flowers and not a ton of leaves coming through yet. The but tree is dropping intense sap. <laughs> yeah, our big grandmother tree. Or I don't know if we've uh, gendered it yet. <laughs> grandmother, grandfather. But um, our big tree is starting to come alive again. And in doing so, it's been dropping the stinkiest juice from its leaves and its um, parts and it's drip dropping onto our patio and every once in a while you'll get a, a drop maybe on your shoulder or in your, the book you're reading and mm. you take a whiff of it and it, it is really rotten smelling mm. but apparently it's a good sign it's it a sap life's waking returning. Up. Yeah. yeah and uh. we've made some pretty good progress on our little baby starts yeah yeah, create some new shelves. New shelves to accommodate more starts. And we've already started transplanting some of the initial seedlings into bigger containers so that they can continue to grow and not be stunted by their environment. Yeah. And it has been kind of just a failing forward approach. Yeah, I think maybe we had talked on the last episode about our thermostat that had gone faulty, but feels like that know. couldn't possibly have been 12 days ago, but I don't really have an understanding of time right now. Perhaps someone out there can relate to that statement. <laughs> Are you going to tell what happened? I'm not sure. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know either. if we mentioned it. Well, just thinking about the failing forward. Yeah. One night we didn't switch out the AA batteries on our thermostat, so had two nights of frost upstairs and half of the plants perished 
and were fed to the worms. <laughs> yeah. And just really enjoying, yeah, the learning process. Mm. Yeah. And appreciating just the deeper connection with the lands that we're living on that's emerging. We've talked about getting some little greenhouses. We've been watching tons of permaculture movies and whatnot. So it just feels really alive for us right now. Yeah, we just watched a movie called Grow. The really great introduction from this man named Rob, <laughs> who I get an email from every day now. <laughs> it's one of those movies to like, it spent a lot of the story saying about like what's sort of wrong um, but it did have Wrong a really with nice conventional yeah, agriculture monocropping um, the stripping state, of the soil of its nutrients using millions of tons of topsoil right. through our rivers because it's just being washed away so when you plant only one kind of crop in soil you're pretty much setting up the ecosystem for collapse because mm. you're opening up the door to all of these invasive species to come in because there's not that natural balance present. And then you have to use an abundant mm. amount of right. pesticides and whatnot to kill the species kind of taking over. And then it's just one mm. layer after layer of wreaking havoc. Yeah, it kills the microorganisms the in the soil. And all the other beneficial things that are holding the soil together so the soil ends up just being dead soil yeah and then after that the next year the practice is to remove that top layer to get down a little deeper mm. and start the process all over again yeah just taking out thousands of years of native tribe use of the land i suppose i mean i don't i don't truly know how much um, Native Americans were growing. Well, on, I believe in the that States. they actually were practicing right. some forms of agriculture right. which looked like permaculture. Right. You know, they were doing controlled burns of area to clear out um, plant, dead plant life to um, increase the fertilizer, you know, the nutrients yeah. of the soil, and they were you know, supporting the environment's natural balance just by adding some things in here, mm. taking some things out, really tending to the land. And I think that's what this whole kind of permaculture mm. movement is about and what we're finding here in our experience is the sense of purpose that comes from being the steward of the land, mm. of actually contributing to the regeneration of the land as opposed to just taking out what you need or even sustaining or even sustaining which has been a real yeah. big reframe to for me at least to shift out of this mindset of the term even sustainability not that I want to like shut people down who are like oh you know I'm a sustainable activist it's like wouldn't necessarily want to shut that person down but just the term is like, well, let's sustain everything mm -hmm. as it currently is rather than rejuvenating, regenerating. Right. Do we actually want to maintain where we're at or do we want to mm. 
enhance it? Yeah. Do we want Same to thing with climate change. bring it to the next mm. level of life? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do we want to like make this natural world serve us like a technology? I mean, in a way that it has the capacity to move beyond even our dream-like potential of it. Mm. Can you go into that more? Um, I mean, I guess like I used to have thoughts of like you know how interesting terraforming would be, and that is kind of what monocropping is in a way, but what came to mind was this potential of like what if like within a 100 kilometer 200 kilometer 100 mile radius you were able to access like seven different biospheres what if that was our future what if city of denver within 100 miles you could drive and you drive to a place and it would be tropical rainforest because they had permacultured it into that mm. And I don't really see that, you know, being within our lifetimes. I'm just thinking, like, getting to the point where you use a mountain range at your benefit of bringing clouds, like, in for moisture, and you bring, like, even the the flora that's within an area can bring the rain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, like, how um, if we start to really work and get in tune with the Earth's systems how we can create some really interesting things and potentially have a desert uh, like uh, biosphere within 50 miles of a tropical rainforest within 50 miles of um, a temperate climate just based on like okay there's a big mountain here it's going to provide this sort of rain or cloud cover coming in yeah that makes me think of like when you enter an oasis in the Mm. desert yeah you're seeing just dead plants and you know deserts are actually quite alive we don't really like totally acknowledge the um, amount of life that is there but going from like a really dry sand and rock and cacti and then all of a sudden it's like palm trees and water and lushness so i guess i can see how that could happen Hmm. It was a really fun game that I used to play that was like an independent developer. And I can't remember the name of it, but I might try to put it in the description if I can find it later. But it involved um, playing in a world kind of like a tycoon game, and you would actually put in different plants and different um, fauna into your environment to try to make the most luscious of each mm. of the biospheres. Mm. So fun. really, I, I. Oh, Equilinox. Cool. It's like six dollars in galveston texas by the gulf of mexico um, i went on a field trip in fifth grade there and they have these huge pyramid uh, domes Mm. that all have different ecosystems Mm. within Mm. the pyramid structure yeah so that was really cool i don't like fully remember i remember going into the pyramids and just thinking like how amazing this is and there's like bird sanctuaries you know in like san antonio and so i think there's an infinite amount of more connection and observation for us to have with nature and I'm really excited for us to tap into a new type of communication with nature Mm. and there's like this potential to like grow trees into like houses you know and grow these trees in different ways you can grow like a tree to form like a chair right a little bench that yeah. you can sit on 
And so I think like our like patient observation and skillful nuance of shaping and being a part of that shape um, is like a new next level art for us as a um, species to be able to remember and tap into. Mm. So overall that just that communication and understanding like nature's just a mu as much a nutrient for our beings as mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's really not much more I'd rather be doing right now than <laughs> what it is we're doing than just this. Wait, wait, wait. You mean you don't want to go work 50 hours, 60 hours a job? No. Like doing <laughs> I really don't. Paperwork and like. I don't want to sit in an office. Sit, what? I don't want Whoa. to devote the majority of my time to somebody else's gain. Mm. I want to... <laughs> I want to spend my time nurturing the humans around me, nurturing myself, and nurturing the land. And it, it really has simplified like my vision for the future quite a bit during mm. this time. Mm -hmm. You know, those aspirations for... <laughs> for fame and Woo. success and wealth. Yes. Sure. World-shattering <laughs> life coach. It sounds great, but like what what do I want to do with those things? I want to do this. I want to do yeah. what we're already doing. It's mm -hmm. the same idea as retirement. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let me work hard and then one day I can retire. Right. Let to me do be, what? Uh, <laughs> to hang out in the garden and plant things and reap the benefits of all that hard work yeah and we've also in the time that we haven't been able to be in the garden like during the snow mm. we've been having this deep kind of collective dive and inquiry into some really beautiful systems of self-knowledge and um, exploration and really science mm -hmm. through the gene keys and human design and you guys just brought forth a new aspect of that within the past week by acquiring these acupressure books that actually tap in to the gene keys. Can you mm. explain that a little bit? Certainly. Um, within, for those of you who don't know, the I Ching, it's a sort of an ancient divination system that um, kind of talks in parables of different universal laws and different processes and then the jinkies is using utilizing that ancient I Ching system which has been utilized to uh, for example map out the human genome then the uh, genetic sequencing the 64 hexagrams is also the 64 different codons um, represented in the, our genome and the understanding of like our DNA holding information, it's like science is showing, there's some uh, scientific studies are showing like the amount of information that can be stored within our DNA is like superior. And then so um, they're processing and exploring different ways of utilizing that to um, be like, you know, just advance our abilities to do information. 
So if we're coming into this experience with this information in our DNA from our ancestors that has been passed down, then there's these genetic blueprints and energies that are coming through and being expressed as proteins in our body. And um, with those different types of energies, uh, there's become this practice of mapping them out and feeling through them using the, hu the human design and so on and so forth. Um, so the AccuPresence uh, mapped out the, used the jinkies to provide a vibrational medicine um, to each hexagram, to each, yeah, to each hexagram. And there's a template for each hexagram. There's about six points for each one. And um, yeah, so I think that answers it. If there's a direct question, I might have <laughs> fully. It's kind of hard to it's explain. Hard. I'm still learning the process of explaining it for myself. And the acupresence is uh, a newer thing. You know, as a body worker, I've explored acupressure and shiatsu before. And um, I haven't like fully stepped into that, but I'm really, you know, Inside myself, I'm feeling into this deeper, more subtle realm of providing communication and um, a movement of stagnation and through intention and through these key places. So it's been a, it's gonna be a beautiful journey. Fully tapping in and we have already had an experience, Monica. Yeah. We, uh, so in your human jinky and human design, you can, one of the placements with, uh, so human design and jinkies also follows astrology. So in a placement of a planet, which would be Mars in this case, your unconscious Mars reveals a potential wounded template aspect inside of your being. But it's also, this shadow is also like, could potentially be your greatest ally in uncovering what you're here to do in this life. So we got to target that particular gate or gene key. Yeah, so it was where Mars was placed. Not when I was born, but when I was conceived, actually, I believe. I, I That's still something I'm trying to figure out yeah. too, if all the unconscious is 88 degrees prior to our birth. Yeah. I thought it was just a couple of them that were that, but that is... Um... Well, my core wound mm -hmm. is the 25th gene key, and the shadow of that is constriction. Mm -hmm. So the way that plays out, often in the realm of relationship, is this feeling of constriction in my body in social settings, whether it's because of um, something that is said, something I'm witnessing, perhaps something within the dynamic between me and my partner, um, moments of jealousy, envy, just essentially like this sense of discomfort in my body that arises. 
in and you social said social situations. situations is it always social situations though not always no yeah. but I think maybe that's what feels like the most uh, pressing mm. is okay I am working on you know cultivating more intimacy in my relationships and my friendships and being more comfortable in my own skin and showing up more as myself out in the world and sometimes in social settings yeah this feeling of discomfort comes over my body where everything kind of starts to just like hmm. come in on me mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. now that can also be reflected in the migraines the headaches that i've had mm. for a really long time where there's this constriction that happens on one side of my head mm-hmm. going down into my jaw into my neck into my shoulder where it pretty much like shuts off blood supply mm. to like a half of my head mm-hmm. and body so through this exploration of it makes me want to like sit up straight yeah right <laughs> through this exploration of um constriction and acknowledging oh this is this is a core wound this is like something Mm -hmm. that I'm here to work on or here to to explore so that does resonate with you in sense of it being like a wound that you could observe throughout your experience yeah definitely I think that for me thus far in life most of my greatest lessons have come in the realm of relationship um both to myself and to <laughs> others, of course. But yeah, the theme of constriction, I'm just becoming like more aware of it. Okay, so the shadows okay. is, shadow is constriction, constriction and the gift within that shadow, if you, if you allow yourself to fully feel the constriction in your body and not push it away, mm-hmm. then the gift is what? The gift is acceptance. Yeah. So arriving into this place where I acknowledge that I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) I feel it so deeply. I go straight into the discomfort. I go straight into the constriction. I like lean into it as like hard as I can lean into it. Be like curious, like, okay, like what's here? What's here for me? Which leads to acceptance, which leads to this, this place of, hmm peace with the pain Mm. essentially Mm -hmm. it's like the pain is still perhaps present Mm -hmm. the pain is still perhaps going to keep rearing its head again it's going to keep returning again but my response to it is of of peace and acceptance Mm -hmm. yeah one thing i remember reading in the um, text though was that to accept you can't like actionize the acceptance yeah you can't just make yourself you can't try you can't try <laughs> you can't lean in until you're you can't force the lean in you're right but the lean in <laughs> is really just the breath yeah the lean in is not attempting to do something but just allowing it to be there and breathing just and allowing breathe that into it. Um, that discomfort or that constriction and allowing it space to be seen and um, felt into. Yeah. And then from acceptance. So that the, yeah, so if you're able to allow this constriction to reveal its physiological root structure inside of your being and realize that this fear and constriction is 
actually something safe for you to experience and breathe into that, then um, once accepting it, there's this sense of deep universal compassion and unconditional love that can be um, fully permeated from this gift. Yes, so this is essentially like Christ consciousness. Mm. The, the city, the like final mm. step here to this 25th um, genome, gene code, <sighs> gene keys is the universal love, which, you know, we might not reach that in this <laughs> life, but there are definitely like moments, moments where I get to glimpse it. Yeah, there's very few individuals who fully step into the complete essence of the cities, but that's not to say that we can't glimpse and taste those experiences or potentially um, fully allow those experiences with grace to come through our being. So the other day, what did we do? So the other day, <laughs> we looked up, we found out that your core wound was the 25th, and we, I don't even remember if we actually went into it too much. We, we like, remembered that it was constriction, but then within the acupresence, we pulled up her uh, 25th hexagram, and there, again, there's a sequence that you can follow and so there's six of them, and there's like an invocation for each point, and there's listed um, harmonizations of potential disimbalances, and there's medicinal values for each point. And uh, we went through the six, and I believe your first one was triple heater three on your third ring, or ring finger. And so we just went through and held each point for probably 30 seconds to a minute and spoke the invocation of each one. And, you know, we continued through and I felt like there was these energy buzzes between us throughout. Does that um, sound about right from your experience? Yeah, every spot that you would press on my body invoked a different, like, sensation mm. in my body. And some were, like, very expansive. Like, I remember feeling like this kind of ray of energy like almost like a sun shining out from my chest at mm. one point and then another was like this sense of like energy just dropping down into the earth mm. and yeah each each spot was a little different vibe mm -hmm. yeah um, they all they all are different invocations but this one was talking a lot about um, stepping into um, full empowerment, full confidence with flexibility and adaptability mm -hmm. often came through and I I noticed like some emotional like feelings come up for you. Yeah, there were tears. There was one invocation about like just gracefully facing life mm -hmm. and gracefully facing life with flexibility mm. and that one like <laughs> I started crying. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like this has been hard for me. This has been hard for me to show up and allow things to unfold, allow other people to kind of like direct the flow of things mm -hmm. when um, often I want it to be 
my way mm. <laughs> and not only do I want it to be my way but like I'm not gonna like tell you what that I think that is so like it leads to me just constricting mm. and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah. yeah. Uh-huh. was there any like uncomfortable spots for you or is there um, you know, different parts of my body were more sensitive than others. Like, there was one where you, like, touched the tip of my tailbone. Yeah, <laughs> and that was, it. yeah. Do you remember what the invocation was for that? It was... What's well, governing vessel one, so it's the beginning of your young uh, Meridian Chi channel. Yeah, the taking, actually, confident action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And allowing this channel to open because it is the founding river of all your yang yeah. uh, rivers like the yang in your body is like the masculine channels. directive energy and when I was a little girl I actually Ooh. broke my tailbone mm-hmm. on a water slide and mm-hmm. didn't quite realize that that's what had happened and then maybe like 10-15 years later I got an x-ray and they were like yeah the tip of your tailbone is pointed mm. inwards like wow. did you have like a really nasty impact at some point. Mm. I was like, yep, I remember when that was. So it's kind Mm. of no surprise the lack of safety that I felt Mm. um, growing up. Mm -hmm. Just like, I was like Mm -hmm. real shy Mm. and like real cautious about life. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got to like open that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we continued going through, and then we got to, I think the only other part point that really, like, stood out to me, I mean, I, I continued to feel, like, energy pulses, but the last one was, like, the tower's gate. It's, like, conception vessel four or something. It's right at the, kind of the manubrium. No, the manubrium is up so just it's like the, the sternum just below process. it's the xiphoid process just below the xiphoid and um yeah so we did the invocation of this point and it was like meeting the emperor inside of yourself to like you know fully open up to your um royalty and feeling of royalty for yourself and receiving the kind of the vision of the emperor inside of you and in in offering the invocation and breathing through it, there was a really interesting thing that took place. <laughs> well, from my perspective, uh-huh. what happened? All of a sudden, I just jolted to consciousness uh-huh. and was like, "Whoa! <laughs> like, where'd I go? Where did I go? Where, Whoa, did, I where go? did I go? Yeah, I remember the look on your face. Like it was were, like, yeah, I." Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it was, it was just, you weren't scared or nervous or anything. It was just like surprising to be like, whoa, where? It was where like, yeah, I left mm-hmm. and I don't know where I went. Mm-hmm. That part, like, I don't remember, mm-hmm. but the feeling of returning into my body mm. was like quite um, intense <laughs> in a pleasurable way. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. not in a scary way. Yeah, so from my perspective, we were doing the invocation, and I kind of just looked over, and Monica's eyes were, like, kind of, like, barely open with, this like, a gaze, and her eyes were kind of rolling side to side. And I thought she was uh, still awake, 
and I just thought she was like opening her eyes a little bit and breathing and then all of a sudden there would be like this like small like arm jolt or like movement in the arm and I was like huh and then that like her leg did it and then her like kind of her mouth kind of like did a little so I recognized that she was like in a deep state like alpha state beyond beta maybe even into theta brainwaves and just I attempted to like not make any sudden movements but I just allowed the invocation to come through and then it felt like there was this kind of like kind of hypnotized deep state and then I just continued to invoke you know powerful intentions of like healing the DNA and constructing the DNA in the most you know uniformed way and um, it was really interesting but I was like whispering it too mm -hmm. and then um, that in the whispering and the invocation they were similar to the invocations like the threads and then all of a sudden that's when she like what 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 where'd I go and what was your, what was your, you stated your experience after that of like potentially how you felt? So I would have thought maybe that I would have been really sleepy. Yeah. Cause that had kind of been my energy all day. Mm -hmm. um, pretty like sluggish and unmotivated and like wanting to just like lay in bed. <laughs> mm. And then afterwards mm -hmm. it was like this refresh mm. like just this like reset that happened and mm. then all of a sudden I was like just jazzed mm. and um, felt really rejuvenated and mm -hmm. that whole process was probably only 10 minutes what do you think yeah I don't know maybe yeah 15, 15 20 I think I don't know but it was <laughs> really really fascinating so yeah I'm excited to explore that more and now day is starting to like link up herbs with like all these different points in the gene keys as well, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. So I finished the first, it, it was actually a really good idea to start with the first and second gene key. Even Richard Rudd in his descriptions talk about how beautiful of an introduction and opening of this, of this uh, 64 element system is and how the 63rd and 64th are also a great closing hmm. but the first gene key is yang over yang metal energy and it's all about this feeling of stuckness like being a highly dense metal being so incredibly and you could use the word masculine but young to where you're just like fallen on the ground you know and you, your body doesn't have the ability to process hmm. toxins because when you're a metal when you're existing as like a metal creation, it's just what's actually There's moving through you. There's no permeability. Other than, uh, I guess electricity. Right. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's kind of the world we're set up for, right? This like previous corporate commercial society was built almost like humans were the electrical channels. Mm -hmm. Like this extreme masculine that was present in terms of CEOs and mega corporations, they are channeling electricity. It's like a giant grid mm -hmm. network. So that's the first gene key, and then, yeah, it's it basically within the human body, the way to ease that system back into, like, break, starting to finally break apart that metal is to introduce some, like, 
good bile production again, to get the liver healthy again, detoxify. Um, So I was able to like find out all of the potential symptoms that can come up. Um, All of the the dis-ease processes that come up within these meridian lines that are harmonized by accessing these acupressure points. Mm And then figuring out like what all of the main themes are and then reading into this like 1950s translation by Richard Willem, the I Ching, about even through the poetry, you can uncover some like hidden mysteries and not so hidden and also human design to figure out, okay, what are the real issues here? Okay, liver is the main thing that needs to be brought into balance. Okay, well, so many people have already done the work to talk about how you can improve liver health with herbs and then let's also find herbs that like match up to exactly what symptoms are being experienced by having tensions within the first gene key. Mm. Um, and then we harvested that right. herb today. And we <laughs> harvested one in backyard. Dandelion root. So powerful for right. the liver. Especially in springtime harvest. Okay, I have an inquiry. Yeah. So do you think, does the first gene key line up with the beginning of the astrological year? Uh, no. Does it work like that? I was just curious Not since we're in spring right now. Mm. Like, it, Aries season mm. started a few weeks ago. Now you're working on the first gene key. We're talking about the liver. Interesting to think. We'd have to get out the jinky board game. Yeah. <laughs> the astrological will mm-hmm. to connect Explore those dots. That, yeah. I think it's a great question, and mm. I'm curious as mm-hmm. well. And I also wanted to talk about the second gene key, which is what I'm diving into now. And kind of my thought was, well, the first and second gene key are so different. Mm. How could they possibly be the same time of year? Mm. But Mm -hmm. the first gene key is this metal, liver health, like basically cleansing your body of all the stuff that happened in the winter. Yeah. Um, And the second gene key is drowning. Drowning Mm. in fluid, drowning in feminine chaos energy. It's the yin over the yin, earth element over your earth element. And it's basically the polar opposite of the first gene key. Yeah. But it's um, it's not the programming partner, but it is um, connected. Okay. Not through a human design channel, but um, the first and second have a play with each other. So they're the programming partners in the gene key. Oh, maybe that's what it is. But the channels in the human design yeah. are a little different. Yeah. But it's, the first and the second, they mm-hmm. have very interesting... Well, it goes 1 to 8 and then 2 to 14. Right. And the 1 goes, I think, up... And I think the, so the first channel, so both of those start from the G center, uh-huh. your center of self. And the one to eight goes up to into throat. throat. And then the... No. I have a one to eight. What? Throat, it goes from, I believe it Heart. goes from... Uh, no, this no. is the G spot. No, it goes from G, that was right. G center. And yeah. then the G center <laughs> two, I believe goes up to the throat. Okay, so two yeah. to 14 goes to the throat. So does one to eight. And one to eight goes down down. to the sacral. So that's what it is. So one to eight goes down, which is actually in line with the masculine energy because the masculine energy, the um, governor vessel, starts from the perineum, wraps around the body behind you, and then comes to your upper lip. Uh And then the feminine comes from your upper lip down to Uh your perineum. Uh Um, So the, um, the channels are actually like in line with that and it actually makes sense for me because when I like feel that shifting of energy it's like bringing things up up toward the cosmos and down toward the earth earth and up toward the cosmos behind my back Mm -hmm. 
and it down to the, the earth in front of my orbit. body. Yeah, the cosmic orbit. The so cosmic that orbit. 2 to 14 is the one going down. Yeah. So if we're talking about drowning, like that also kind of makes sense to me this time of year because you have right. the snow melting and coming down from the mountains. You have often an accumulation of mucus in your system from the winter, from all the grains you've been eating and whatnot. So we'll have to figure out what the third gene key is once I finish the second and then see if our <laughs> uh-huh. idea plays itself right, out or yeah, not. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, it doesn't, it doesn't go around right. yeah. in, mm. on this astrology chart. Yeah. But yeah. I, my uh, contemplation or my thought is that all the gene keys, like, you can connect all the seasons to all the gene keys. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I imagine. Yeah. I don't think, like... These are only subject to, uh-huh. you know, springtime. Uh-huh. And there's probably programming partners at play there, too. Well, right. So the, the codon ring for um, the first one is the ring of fire. Mm. And Love so, is a burning thing. <laughs> so it's one to eight <laughs> is the codon of fire, which is the channel. Mm-hmm. And then for the second one, it is the, the ring of water. Oh, great. And it's, it, like... <laughs> In the AccuPresence, it says metal, but the what's fire the metal of, is maybe the, the element outcome of, of that. What's that? What? What's the, ele- what's the element? Earth. Of- earth over earth. It's not water. It's not water, but <laughs> maybe the water is what brings balance to the earth, and maybe the fire is what brings balance to metal. Because how do you get metal huh. out of being a state of metal? Ooh. You melt it. Yeah. How do you get earth out of being a state of earth? You bring water, water to water it. Water to it, yeah. Ooh. Water can like take down the tallest mountain. Yeah, there's the little percolation. Yeah, drip drops just turn into rivers, canyons. Uh Drop, drop, drippity, drip, drip, Mm. drop, drop. That was beautiful. I love that. That's intuition, right? As you learn these systems. You know what I'm really excited about? hmm. Is we get to do this every day. Right. (laughs) So. Yeah, we were joking that like quarantine should not end anytime soon. Well, let's not like forget that we're in a really privileged place right now where we've found our arc Mm. you know we we can appreciate um the safety and the spaciousness to Mm -hmm. explore our deepest passions in life right now whereas there's a lot of humans that literally like are stuck in homes Mm -hmm. with their abusers um don't have food to eat Mm -hmm. have family members that are sick so I guess we'll use it yeah. for, for good, for our good, and mm-hmm. maybe to be shared. Yeah, the strongest thing you could do, right, is to make a model of something that is more effective or efficient or more better supporting and harmonized to the living system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to try and convince anybody to go do this, but right. if this I do, not what everybody's <laughs> going to want to be yeah. doing If I do time, a time lapse and show over a year what's going to happen in the space, like that could potentially be enough momentum for someone, an inspiration for someone to create that internal motivation to yeah. create something. And it's not going to look the same for everybody, but. I'm also appreciating how these deep inquiries into these systems and into the system of permaculture and all these aspects through that structure and foundation that somebody else created 
and diving into that, we're also allowing our own intuition to emerge from that. And like there are new creations coming forth for all of us, new ways of um, new ways of being, new ways of doing that maybe have never been mm. done before. Like mm. watching you do like energy work on Logan last night. <laughs> it's like I've never seen anybody do that before. Nobody taught you how to do it like mm. that. It just was like this thing that emerged from you when the conditions were right. Yeah. I right mean, when I was in the light glasses, <laughs> listening to Barangi. <laughs> laughing hysterically. I had some amazing laughter coming It was through. perfectly in line with the yeah, energy with work. how he was When I came to your heart center, energy. you like, I, lay, I sat, sat there for like about two seconds and you started bursting in laughter. <laughs> and then I stayed for a bit. And when I when I felt ready to leave that center it was also the time that it kind of like boiled down for you mm. and I went down to your feet up your body down your feet up your body basically the next time I like stopped somewhere it was your third eye <laughs> and then you started like bursting out in laughter again <laughs> like right there I have a question at any point during that did you ever feel the urge to cry I was asking myself that actually that same question if there was any tears that came through I don't know if you remember but I actually gave like a fake cry to like fill into mm. it a yeah. little bit yeah I kind of went into like a kind of a <laughs> yeah because there was like a moment <laughs> where all of a sudden I felt like this shift uh, uh. and I was like ooh, like mm. what's yeah. coming out and then you you kind of went more inward at that mm. point huh yeah I I uh you know, I sent some intention into that space, that same contemplation to see if anything was there. And I think that there could be some connection to it. Um, I also had a lot of uh, connection to just laughter itself and having to have these perfect um, variables for laughter to come through. Yeah. You know, and I don't, what happened in that moment was me realizing that I could laugh hysterically for no reason any time and that'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> I don't have to have a reason to uh -huh. laugh, to feel the immensity and amount of joy percolating through my body of just like uh, life. I, I think that's an amazing thing about your energy mm. and something that you bring. Um, in different like social situations or like at a concert or whatever this like just like pure innocent like joy like mm. bubbles out from within you mm. and just the with the like um, I don't know the freedom within that within your expression of that is really inspiring to me mm. <laughs> thank you yeah <laughs> Yeah. We had a really beautiful drop in with like seven of us, eight of us in the home the other day. Probably like an hour and a half. Just oh, so much expression and clear communication. At the end of that, I'm like, oh, Monica, what if like we started recording these on podcasts? I think we should. <laughs> yeah, just to give some context for everybody. As you probably know if you've listened before, we live in a home with seven humans. Um, it's a duplex, so we are separated by a wall, but it doesn't mean much. So when trying to plan for a garden and trying to negotiate 
duties within the home and just making sure that everybody is feeling secure and heard and expressed. Um, these home house meetings have become really crucial mm. for that. And it's taken us oh, <laughs> a year, a year <laughs> to arrive in the place where that feels inviting for everybody. Mm. There's definitely been some resistance at times. There's also been just like scheduling, like really practical scheduling mm. issues that are no longer an issue because <laughs> none of us have any thing really going on right now, um, which is beautiful. So there's been more opportunities for home meetings. And the other day, there were some discussions that needed to happen in regards to um, just some values within the garden and the way that we wanted to operate in the garden. And there was some um, misunderstandings that had arisen out of perhaps um, unclear communication. So we all sat down together to talk it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Toward the tail end of that was a lot of vulnerability channels being opened of, of it, it was sort of, you don't really have that time to dive that deeply into it and really witness how the other person's receiving it and how sort of my boundaries that I had um, that felt important for me specifically regarding cannabis plants and what type of soil they were being sprouted in and where the seeds came from specifically. Um, that was like the main contention part at the end there. And it opened up this channel of vulnerability as in like, well, this is what it, this is what it triggers in me. I don't want to like be a burden hmm. in that moment. Like I don't want like them to have to shift their whole situation of what types of seeds they're getting and what types of soil they're putting in. And I'd rather like step out of that, not be a burden and just have my own little nook and be like, that's my safety net being like, okay, well I can always have like my own little thing if it doesn't suit everyone else here. Hmm. Like, I totally want to figure out how I can communicate mm -hmm. what what's the deep root of my desires mm -hmm. here rather than just, like, asking my questions in a way that feel very, like, prodding or poking because I'm just trying to get information right, to right, make right. a decision. Yeah, I really appreciate um, that exploration. It takes a lot of experience and time to learn how to communicate that, you know, effectively. And what comes up for me is, like, you know, if we are expressing our boundaries in a way where we're just honoring our needs and bringing up our process and, again, our needs, then for anybody else, as long as we're doing said thing and I statements, then for other people to take that personally isn't on you. Mm. No, it's not. But that doesn't mean that it's still not going to trigger... Yeah. A emotional physiological reaction in another human sure. so for that person to then be able to mm -hmm. ideally in the moment but let's be honest it can take us some time to process how that actually is occurring um, but to be able to express that vulnerably vulnerably of like this is how that situation affected me internally to bring that forth and for there to be that like hearing of that mm -hmm. and honoring of that and then also the adjusting of okay how to yeah communicate my needs how to um 
be true to myself while also being respectful or at least aware of how I'm like coming across in that mm. moment. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. So what I hear is that by allowing for the um, skillfulness of bringing up, when you say that, this is what comes up for me. Yeah. Uh, this opening, this window to be able to m kind of move through an energy potentially being expressed through our genes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and allowing a reframing or a re-understanding of the experience overall. Right. Mm -hmm. So now Day has this better understanding of Jess and the way that energy can sometimes move through her mm. and just has this better understanding of day and like the true motivation for his investigative nature as opposed to um, defaulting to taking it personally mm. um, if we had just skated above the actual like hurt and ickiness that was present we wouldn't have come to that um, <clears throat> deeper understanding of each other yeah yeah, I mean, even the realm of, like, when maybe in November I was reading some, like, dark goddess books and looking into, like, shadow um, shadow work again, um, it would be easy to just say, oh, well, I can trigger people. Like, I can, by me honoring my shadow, me honoring those shadow elements might cause some conflict. Right. It mm -hmm. might caught one of my you could even go down the route of saying part of my shadow is condescendingness or arrogance. And that like within the realm of doing, quote unquote, shadow work, some people. I think in a busy world, it makes sense to like accept that about oneself and move on. But that's surface level, mm -hmm. which shadow work should also be depth work. Yeah. And I think that shadow being like darkness, there's also a very strong need to take it deeply so that you're not being surface level because what was at the surface could have been me just saying well i'm going to trigger jess mm -hmm. that's what my interaction with jess is going to be like and if i was starved for time right now i'm pretty sure that's where i'd be defaulting mm. so this time is giving the capacity to really dive to the lower layers and be like oh whoa like I thought this, like, if I was going to think about how this was triggering you, I would think it's triggering you because of this, which if you're being triggered because of that, I want to trigger you. And then finding out, like, whoa, that's not why you're being triggered. Oh, whoa. Like, interesting. I would have had no idea that is what was coming up. Because, like, if it's something for me, I don't know, that I, it's kind of a weird way to look at it. Like, some things for myself, like, if it was going to trigger me, I'd potentially want to be triggered to mm. allow that healing to take place. Mm. Um, What's the intention of the trigger though? Well, I think that's, I, I think this is a misladen story of shadow work that is surface level. This mm -hmm. is a story that I subscribe to within my own realm of doing quote unquote shadow work. And I'm saying that I'm stepping out of that by having this timeliness to go to a deeper layer. So like an example of that would be a spiritual teacher who um, maybe talks like aggressively mm. to a woman to trigger these latent memories of being abused and then being like, well, <clears throat> brought it to the surface. Like I, mean, I did my example, job. Yeah. 
I guess um, some psychologists, like, if you have arachnophobia, <laughs> they bring a tarantula. Right. Um, but instead, going deeper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll give I mean, it there's, there's, the triggering, there's the triggering that happens when you're actually trying to um, get a reaction out of somebody. Mm. That seems, like, a little bit manipulative um, and can be dangerous. Versus the kind of triggering that's like, I'm triggering you by me just like existing, doing my, my thing and not like attacking you yeah. in any way. And that's keeping think, it in the I, I statements, I'm like you're saying. What y'all are saying, and I think um, for me to simplify it into um, if my sub personality is desiring to trigger versus maybe one of my full archetypes, whole archetypes. Mm is in a place of skillfulness and ability. Does that make sense? If your ability to trigger is from a place of skillfulness? Or so okay. if you're coming from, if a, I'm coming from sub a sub personality mm-hmm. of like, oh, I want to trigger them. To trigger hurt them somebody, because, essentially. Yeah, mm. Potentially because you want to hurt. Because mm. you're maybe hurting. Or because you're unconsciously hurting yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus said a guru person who like sees a clear hmm. pattern and hmm. can skillfully bring it up or a psychologist or somebody and that has the right tools to be hmm. able to allow them to feel into it and develop an ending nerve pathway that closes hmm. that gap hmm. that hmm. closes that circuit hmm. Hmm. just mm-hmm. just what makes internal sense for me yeah <laughs> Hmm. 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 Oh, yeah. ah. Well, it's been lovely connecting with y'all. Yeah. In the garden. Hmm. Certainly, it'll be less than twelve days <laughs> until our next drop in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate the. Um, fluidity right now. I love that we started this at the perfect time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, it's been a real documentative process that I'm potentially eager to look back on Mm. in the distant future. Retrospective. Retrospective, right? Like, remember Corona times? Do you remember the great pause? (laughs) The great pause. Yeah, thank y'all for bringing this out here. It's nice to be able to um, unfold our experience in an organized way that this helps me continue feeling what is happening inside of my world. Yeah. And there's, I feel like there's an element of experiential buildup being able to be that is created inside of me by doing this. Yeah, it's a different voice. Mm-hmm. It's a different opening voice channel, different than music, different than just communicating like nonchalantly in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like in this moment, I don't feel like super worried about who's listening to mm. me in this moment. <laughs> right. You know, and you can take it or leave it if <laughs> right. you want it. And, Take what resonates, leave the rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no right or wrong answers here. Right, we're we're definitely 
just figuring it out as we go and what might be true for us in this moment might not be true in the next too mm. so there's room for that dynamic truth yeah <sighs>